kids Come join us at the corner Of the round table We're just doing things a little bit differently this evening. A um, few logistical issues came up, so I thought I'd just do a solo podcast and then make it easier on the boys so they can do their thing and then we can just upload this so at least everyone gets all the racing news out there. You just won't get any of the hilarity from, from Con or any of the laughter. So I'm just going to be straight to the point and give you everything you need for the racing this weekend. So we're going to start off with a bit of a weekend in review. We'll touch on a couple of the bets that we did have and the unit staking, the usual horses to follow. Now I'm going to do the horses to follow a little bit differently this week because obviously anyone can see a flashing light run or anyone can black book a winner, but I'm going to black book a couple of hidden runs that I saw when I was doing my reviews later, late last week and, and early this week. So we'll use that. Uh, then we'll touch on Caulfield, obviously with Group 1 at Underwood Stakes Day. We'll go to Rose Hill there for Golden Rose. And then we'll touch on a couple at Toowoomba, obviously do the Friday fill-up. And then that should be done. Now, I do apologise in advance. I do have this wild, weird cough that just comes out of nowhere. So if you hear a bit of silence or just random cough out of nowhere, I'm fine. Uh, but I just thought I'd just pre-warn you guys while you're listening. So we broke even for the weekend with our unit staking. So we had a smaller weekend in terms of our staking, um, the one just gone. We, we only put 16 units out and we had to wait for the final race, which was uh, the Carini race, to, to return a, um, to return some winning. So we were so incredibly close with overpass. So we put that out as a four-unit play, I think, from memory, and then got the split, ran a really, um, sorry, got a really slowly run race. It was perfectly judged by Josh Parr, and then it just took an elite ride from Nashville Willa on private eye to just get the, the bob on us in that last few strides. Now, the wonderful thing is... Private Eye got an Everest slot out of it, as did Overpass today. So I think this race will produce quite a few um, horses in the Everest, and I think in secret will take the Godolphin slot, and I hope someone snaps up Bournemouth's Notchess because that horse just keeps going to another level every race it has. So let's see how... (coughs) Excuse me. Let's see how we go. So then we also had Carini, who was in the last race, so we made this a four-unit play. Um, It was weird, about, say, 10 to 15 minutes before the race actually started when the mounting yard was happening. The horse blew out to about 380, 3.90 on Betfair. So I snapped up that price, and then you go through pre-race, and it got... Or I think it got down to as low as 2.20, 2.30 on some bookies. So the late market really showed. And as you saw by the win, by about half a length or so, I think the, the horse was, was was the best horse in the race. I think you can forgive Devoted from that run because it did sat, sit into that breeze. And I'll touch on that with the horses to follow because it was quite a brutal headwind there at Flemington. So a lot of those leaders there were quite disadvantaged, particularly as they were... Um, I guess hitting the top of the straight and running 400 meters into the wind. Um, we also backed Benedetta. This is probably more a heart bet than it was a head bet. But, um, it was a, another one of those weird races because Star Patrol kind of had a bit of a lead. Uh, King of Sparta came down the center and was kind of like trailing um, trailing Star Patrol there and, and Nash, Nashi, Nahim Sahail, I think is how you pronounce it. And then... <coughs> 
<coughs> and then Benedetta was coming down the outside rails all by herself. Now, if you look at the sectional, she was awesome flying home, and I'd have that bet every day of the week. So she was just unlucky. Uh, Brightside, obviously, saluting in the Maccabi Diva was awesome. He's just clearly the best horse, I think, between 1,600 and 1,000, uh, and then 2,000 metres here in Australia. Um, I can't wait to see him clash with Romantic Warrior in the in the Cox Plate, and I think it's going to be a really, really good duel with a, a couple of other interesting horses who might head in that direction. Um, Amelia's duel, uh, I said on the podcast that I thought if, this was, if there was a race at where she was... I guess, vulnerable, this was the one. So barrier 15, 1,400 metres first up, big field. There was concerns there, and she just lapped them up, which was quite amazing. Um, I think, I'm not sure, I think Simon Miller's quite open to where she goes next, but I know she's going to probably go to the Stutt Stakes there at Mooney Valley. But whether or not she goes to the Golden Eagle or even the Cox Plate, I guess we'll wait and see and just, just follow your socials just to see where she's going because I think she's in for an, an enormous prep. <coughs> for um, the Queensland listeners out there, I don't think anyone who backed Antino would be too happy with the ride that Jimmy Orman gave it. Uh, the horse had the inside barrier, kicked up and actually had potential to lead there, but I can understand why Jimmy Orman jagged it back, came around the bend, was absolutely bolting, could not get a gap, and unfortunately went down. So I think you can follow Antino, and I think from all the reports you can see is he's heading towards the Turak handicap, and he's equal favourite in the in your futures markets for that, and I think he's going to be awfully hard to beat. Uh, in the Poseidon, which is one of those main lead-ups to the Coolmore Stud Stakes, which is there on Derby Day, which is, I guess, one of those three-year-old stallion-making uh, races, I thought King's Gambit, he's just such a nutcase of a horse. Like, I think pre-race last preparation, I think around the slipper preparation, he used to heat up, like he really was got quite antsy. And this time around, from all reports, he behaved himself in the mounting yard. He was just a wild horse in the barriers, and then once he was running. So... I don't know what they're going to do with him because I think he's got quite a valuable stallion career if he can win a group one, like a thing like the Coolmore Stud Stakes. But if not, I think the best thing would be to geld him and just see what kind of things you can do. Because the horse clearly has ability because you can go and see the race. I can't remember if it was the race after a race before, but that She's All Shenanigans one. King's Gambit beat that horse by about six lengths on debut. So the fact that that horse has stepped up now and matured into a three-year-old and is now winning stakes races, and he's just still this this wild horse that no one seems to be able to control. Um, we can go then over to Randwick now. We can touch on the uh, fangirl race now. Obviously, there were a lot of people out there who said Fangirl was an absolute moral. I was a bit up in air. One, because of the barrier. Two, because of the jockey on board. And um, as you can see, the horse was too far back. Um, mathematically, couldn't have won after the dawdling pace that Zaki set. And it was just good to see um, Think It Over get back into the, the winner's circle after that long injury layoff. <coughs> I know Con said in the podcast just uh, last week that he thought Zaki was gone, as was as was a couple of these older horses, and I get Nature Strip and Eduardo definitely are gone, but I think there's plenty of life left in Zaki. I don't think he's as, as nimble or as, as quick as he used to be, and he's probably lost a length or two, but he can still compete with some of the good horses up there and, and obviously down there as well. 
Um, in the T-Row stakes, so that Princess Series tier, um, uh, leg two, the 1,400 metres. So we got the flight stakes next over the 1,600 metres. thought Tis Invincible was just awesome again. Now, that horse just keeps stepping up and stepping up and stepping up. And I'm just waiting for Komochi to, I guess... Um, close the gap on her but she just keeps stepping up and I think it reminds me of of a couple of years ago when Dame Giselle with Tommy Berry on board just kept winning uh, one of the first two races I think and everyone was all over Hungry Heart they saw the flashing light finishing strongly and thought she'd be appreciate the 1400 meters and the and the mile and Dame Giselle just kept winning so I think Tis Invincible's a horse like heading towards that flight stakes of this Sydney bunch. I think that's the horse. But I'll be interested to see what horses come up from Victoria to contest it. And then you look at Just Fine, who we had little concerns about where the horse was at and stepping up and tripping and all that and pretty much put all of those concerns to bed. Um, the horse is enormous. I think it could just piss it in in this metropolitan there. Um, and I think it could be a really, really nice stay for us here in Australia if it can um, go on with things. So now, <coughs> excuse me, moving into the horses to follow. So the first horse was the race in the, the um, Thinker think it over race was who you mal so we had the horse in the black book after its first up run and it was it's been really good second up it crossed it crossed the line doing similar sections to my oberon who in my opinion is a really really good horse and i think he's going to win some races this prep he just needs all the conditions to be in his favor but yeah you go back and watch who you mal i think it's heading really nicely towards i think a cups from what i've read with gay because i know it had a big boom on it when um when it was overseas before it was purchased here. So I think it's heading down that route, but it was really good in that seven stakes. And I think, like I said, looking to back it over probably 2,000 metres plus, I think it's going to be a, a good bet. And I think you might get a decent price about it because it's, it was, I think it SP'd around the $19 there on Saturday. Um, now, this is a bit of a group one. And I touched on it earlier. I think any leader at Flemington, particularly ones that brought up a race around the bend and hit that headwind straight on in the straight, I think you can be quite forgiven. Horses that come to mind are Road to Arataki, um, Devoted, who all, another one there, who both started well in the markets, probably not favourites in either of their races, but they started in there and they both just faded quite significantly. That was because they were running into the, um, that headwind. So, and I thought Cabau in the last race at Rose Hill was enormous. Yes, this I did mention, obviously, the fact that I'm not going to be black booking any favourites as such, but <coughs> the time the horse put up was very, very impressive, and I think it, um, I think it, I think it would win some decent races. Now, there's two other horses that I want to touch on, and the first one is there is Aberfeldy Boy, which was in the Carini race there. So that was that last race there. I think it was the foundation plate over 1,700 metres, I think it was. Now, go back and watch the run. The horse was very good, and it was finishing off very, very strongly behind Carini in that race. So I think stepping up in trip, probably to around the, the 2,000 metres, I think the horse will be better suited. And I'd love to see if it's heading towards something like a, a Caulfield Cup where it can get in quite lightweight. So I think it was a really enormous run for that horse. And traditionally, the horse has, has done really well first up and actually performed second up as well. So I certainly think it's a horse that you can follow moving forward. Now, you'll probably end up getting a price about it as well, which is a great thing because we do reckon the horse is only one our maiden and then it's competed in some quite good grades. The other one that I really liked was Papillon Club. Now, Papillon Club uh, was a really good uh, horse. It it, fin it was out the wide barrier, and 
it had to be jagged back. Now, it clocked the race's fastest last six to the four... 100, I think it was in from memory. Now, this was in Amelia's Jewel race. So, cop the, the fastest 600 meters to the 400 meters. Then it looked to be just cruising through the line and really hitting a flat spot, which is something you'd probably traditionally see first up. But then it really rocketed to the line towards that latter portion. It's probably in the last 100 meters or so. So, I think looking to back that horse up in trip around the mile mark, and it's got a good second up record. It's one there, bef- um, it's one before second up. So, I think it's going to be in for a really, really good, um, a really, really good race. Now, I'm just looking back at my notes. So, it was the fastest last 800 to 600. It then had a 400-meter flat spot run and then really picked up in that last 200. So, I think it was a bit of a hidden run there in the Amelia's Jewel race. So, I think you can certainly follow it going up in trip. All right, so let's touch on this weekend's racing. So, there's quite a few good races going on. So, we'll touch on Rose Hill first and then we'll move over to Caulfield. So, <coughs> Rose Hill track, we've got good weather down in Sydney, which is fantastic. Um, the rails, I think, are in the two-meter position. Just get my notes up, sorry. Yeah, they're in the two-meter position. So, I think we mentioned in the review of, of the last Rose Hill meet, it was kind of played more up and in, but because of the way the Rose Hill track's kind of got like a hairpin turn type thing. So, I think it, it, it always tends to favor those, and it's up on speed, or at least in the first half of the field. Um, now, the feature race on the card is is the Golden Rose, the 1,400-meter race. Now, it's traditionally been renowned as one of the better stallion-making races for three-year-olds. So, you find there are a lot of um, colts in this race, and rarely do you see a filly um, in the race, let alone win it. So, it'll be interesting to see how Charmstone holds up. So, I'm going to touch on races 3, 4, 8, 9, and 10. Now, I'm going to steer clear of the quaddies this this week, guys, because we haven't had much luck with them in recent times. So, I thought, let's just not even bother with them. So, in race 3, the first race I want to discuss, it's we've got a couple of horses who we've got really good opinions of. So, we're on How Good Are You uh, last start. We've spoken about... <laughs> excuse me, Unspoken, Tazarel's one that we've really liked, and then Logan Street Line, which I'll touch on that horse as well. So I think the speed map is a really interesting thing for this race. So I think if you're looking at it from the barrier, I think how good are you with Tim Clark back on board? I think we'll roll forward from barrier nine. I think you'll have special sway. Logan Street Line will also sit quite handy, but I don't see a great deal of pressure up front for how good are you, which is probably going to be playing in its favor. <coughs> Now, if we go back and look at that run that it had last start over the um, 1,800 metres, so Rachel King perfectly judged that ride. Obviously, everyone would have seen Marquez flying home um, to, to almost get within half a length of How Good Are You? But what we've got to remember, the horse was, was 1,500 metres up to 800 metres. So the horse is going to gain a lot of fitness edge from that run, and it's only going up an extra 100 metres here. It actually drops one and a half kilos from that run and then it gets the without sounding bad it gets the jockey upgrade from rachel king to tim clark who in my opinion with nasa really is one of the best jockeys on leaders you then got mark s who we spoke about the horse now drops four kilos from that last run where it ran second to how good are you it gets the informed zach lloyd on board who's an apprentice just going places and i think from the inside gate it might be up a little bit handier in this run so he might be able to sit maybe one, two pairs back behind How Good Are You? And let's see how it goes. 
<coughs> now, Unspoken was huge first up, carrying the big weight in a BM78. Now, my only concern for that horse, well, I've got two concerns, is naturally it's the horse has been a very good first up horse in the past, but it's always had a taper off second up. So I think it's 0-4 from four second up runs. Now, the interesting is Josh Parr was ruled out today from racing. He, in the last race, I think it was at one of the last races, uh, at Warwick Farm on Wednesday, he was dismounted. He was uh, he was dismounted from the the horse. He suffered a concussion and an injury to his left shoulder, and then doctors ruled him out with concussion today. So he won't be riding. So that's an interesting thing with that horse. Now Tazarel, that's always been a horse of one of ours. We've got a really really good opinion of it. It's going to get the good deck, which it really really relishes. Um, it was jagged back in that run from in the Kingston Town, which is a Group Three race. Um, the one that was actually run by um, Just Fine, who ended up going on and winning that that Kingston Town last week. So it it I think the form stacks up well. It's just a matter of where it's going to get from Barrier Ten and if it's going to be too far off them. Now we know Chad Schofield is riding like an absolute demon at the moment, so I've got no issues with the jockey itself. It's just a matter of whether track pattern will allow Tazarel to finish with a big booming uh, run like it has in the past. Now Logan Street Line is another one I want to acknowledge, just because it was scratched from last weekend in a very winnable race with Nashville Wheeler on board, and it's now been saved for this race, which I'm not sure if it's any easier but it's obviously an opinion of Waller to obviously send it here now, if you go back and watch that run it finished I think second or no third sorry behind behind just fine with Tazarel getting second now you go watch the runs Logan Street Line had a much more economic run in transit with Tazarel kind of having to loop around them and finish off strongly but I can certainly see why there might be some market support for it particularly if you see um, Tazarel uh, drift now I'm not going to be betting into this race because I do see that there are five decent chances. But if you had to put a gun to my head, I think How Good Are You is going to control things. And I think Tazarel will be your flashing light run coming down the outside. All right, so we'll touch on race four. Now, this is quite an easy one. So there's two good horses in this race. I think Osmosis is the one or the pick. Um... I think with the way it maps for this run, its trials have been really nice. It's actually beaten the, the other favourite in Royal Tribute before and quite comfortably after sitting outside it. Um, it's got some good figures on the board. I think the horse just wins. And there's weirdly been on social media some chats about it um, in Everest uh, Everest calculations, which I find very interesting for a two-raced horse, um, a horse that's only run two races, but it's certainly something to consider. And I think Bjorn Baker's got a really, really good horse on his hands. And the fact that James McDonald used to trial it, ran all the way out on its debut just to ride it in um, on in our maiden. I forget where it was. I'll just have a look it up here. Uh, yeah, Maiden out at Gosford. So he went all the way out there, one by two lengths. It then went to that handicap, like I said, beat Royal Tribute quite comfortably. So I think the horse just wins. It's drawn really nicely. I think <clears throat> Tim Clark is obviously a huge upgrade for Royal Tribute. Not that Adam Hieronymus is a bad jockey, but Tim Clark is a better one. Uh, Celestial Legend is a good horse. It won a really, really good handicap, beating Ostraka by about one and a half lengths after running second to Kandinsky Abstract, who's that big boom horse and full brother to Sunlight. So I think that horse has has obviously claims as well, but it does have K-Mac on board. And again, without me sounding bad, he's just so out of form. And every time I see him pop up on a black booker or a horse of mine, I'm instantly turned off by it.
All right, so let's move on to race eight. So this is the Golden Rose. So you can go see a lot of people have a lot of um, horses that they probably recognize from the lead-up races, but also in the slipper last year. So the speed map's quite interesting. So I think I've got Moravia kind of leading from Butch Cassidy. I have Charmstone from Barrier 1 sitting really behind the speed. And then King Colorado from Barrier 9. And then Snapback also from um, from Barrier 11 kind of cutting across and, and kind of setting up a decent speed here in this race. <coughs> so I'm just going to touch on market order and I'll just give you my two cents on each one. So I did say on the podcast that I didn't think Cylinder would win another race this prep, and I still agree with that statement. I just don't think he'll struggle with reach getting the 1,400 metres, and I think he's more a 1,200-metre horse. Now, if you go back and watch him in that run to the Rose, it was a brilliant ride from Nash, got him clear, and then he obviously got over the top of Moravia, Nadal, Butch Cassidy, with militarised absolutely rocketing home down the side. So if you're looking at that race purely from a perspective of... Which horse do you think is going to appreciate the step up in trip from uh, 1,200 to 1,400? I think Militarize is that horse. Now, if you go look at the the gear changes, Militarize actually has its blinkers on for the first time. So that would suggest to me that probably from barrier two, Joe Marrera, who's won two group ones on this horse before, will probably kick up and probably sit a little handier and run. And I'm hoping he can do that like he did in the size produce last year where he sat just behind the speed, hit the gap, and then rocketed the line and put the race away very, very easily. Um, we got a Charm Stone now. I think she's a very, very good horse. She had a huge boom on her last year before she had um, a couple of issues where she she ran <coughs> sixth in the, I think, the Blue Diamond Prelude for Phillies behind Exploring, and then they put her out. I think she had her issues. So she's since come back this prep. She started off in the Group 3 Cosette and absolutely rocketed past Skirt the Law. She then backed it up at the Atlantic Jewel in that really awkward barrier that she had. So I think she's certainly in this, and I can see why she's had some early market support, but she's looking to become the, the second filly since Forensics to win the Golden Rose. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm not sure what Damien Lane does barrier one with her, but it could be good for her if she can kick up and sit a lot handier. And the fact that Damien Lyon has come up here to Sydney to ride this horse instead of staying at Caulfield would suggest to me that he's got quite a good opinion of her. Now, we go to Shinzo. Now, <coughs> we know Coolmore have a great opinion of the horse. He's had four starts, two wins, a second and a third. He did win the golden slipper. But what we've got to remember is... He did start $16 in a golden slipper, so he really wasn't fancied in that run. Yes, he beat Cylinder, but Cylinder was the really short price favorite. And funnily enough, James McDonald jumped off Shinzo to ride Cylinder. So how I look at it is, I know that Waller has a massive, massive opinion of Shinzo, but we look at his SP profile coming out of that slipper. Cylinder started much shorter than him. Now, there's also concerns about him first up over 1,400 metres. Now, <clears throat> I know I was listening to the that standard Waller runner like preview show that he has, and he was really horny when he was talking about the horse, and he was really talking it up. Now, this could go two ways. He could be just being truthful to the, to the punter or the listener. But the other thing is he's been known to do this before, and look what he did with Linderman. So like I said, I think in a couple of podcasts earlier, I watched that preview, and he was talking up Linderman being a genuine Cox Plate contender and all this and all that. But really, he hasn't set the world on fire this prep, and I think he's a good horse, but I don't think he's going to match it in the w, uh, wait for age ranks. 
Now, I know Shinzo is, they're trying to build him a huge stud deal. I get that. That's Coolmore doing their thing. So they're going to try and win this. And the likelihood they'll probably use him as the Coolmore Everest slot. But I just, I don't know. I just have concerns about him. First up, barrier 10. Ryan Moore's obviously one of the world's best jockeys. Yeah, just a few little things. Now, this brings me to King Colorado. So he's got some decent form, and he comes out of that Wink Stakes, which are won by Fangirl. Now, there's <coughs> a couple of dubious form lines to come out of it. Like, do you look down the route of Princess Grace, who's been really, really good since, as is Zaki? Or do you go down the route of a horse like Hinge, Dosipenko, Dewayas, who really haven't done a great deal? Now, you go back and look where he crossed the line. He crossed the lines with Montefilia and Francesco Gardi. Now, Montefilia is gone. You can see that last weekend. And Francesco Gardi is a 3,200-meter horse. So is this horse that good? Probably not. So as a process of elimination, I've landed on, King, on militarized in this race. Now, how I look at this is Militarise was enormous first up in that run uh, run to the rose behind Cylinder. He was absolutely rocketing home. He clopped some very elite sectionals finishing home. He drops two kilos off that weight after conceding it to the other guys. He gets Joe Moreira, who's two from two on him. Excuse me. He's won two uh, Group Ones on him. Yes, it was on the heavy track at, at Rose Hill. I'm sorry, at Randwick, but. As last run was as run, last run showed, he's really effective on the good deck as well. I think the big thing that I want to see from Joe is getting him sitting handy with those blinkers on, and I think he's a great chance in this race. I'd be backing him each way, but <clears throat> I think that's the bet if you had to ask my gun to my head. Now, I think Moravia, if you see a leader on pace type day there at Rose Hill, Moravia is certainly going to give you a good sniff as well. So going to race nine there. So we've got two horses here that obviously you can see in the market are very fancy. So you've got Chorlton Lane, who was that fast finishing horse behind uh, Reinberg, which was one of the bets we made there down at Caulfield a couple of weeks ago. Um, the horse was awesome. And I think Reinberg is a group class horse. Now, the ho- um, Chorlton Lane drops four and a half kilos from that run. Uh, he's got a great record at the 1,400 metres. The only thing I have is whether or not the track pattern's going to play against him or not. And the same thing for Periel. So Periel was nominated for Warwick Farm on Wednesday and was scratched for this race. Gets really in light with the weights, gets Lack Lloyd on board, and the horse has actually never missed the trifecta in its career. So I think I'm not going to make it a bet or anything like that, but I think <coughs> those two are definitely the, the horses to beat in this race. But the one at odds, which I think you're going to keep an eye on, is for Valor with Tim Clark for Gaybot. And we know what that horse is going to do. It's going to roll forward. It's going to take up the running. And if it's one of those races where it does, it is dominated on speed, where they haven't really had any pressure, then I think that's the horse you want to have on your side. And I wouldn't be leaving it out of my quaddy. Um, and then race 10, finally, we've got actually a black booker in this race in Rain Beal. So yeah, decent price about it. So uh, in the notes that we said a couple of weeks ago, I thought it had a really good return. So as we know, it's had a transfer up from Victoria for Joe Pride. He was taken back from that wide draw and that handicap and now flew home for some um, elite sectionals between the 600 metres and the 200 metres. Now, <coughs> the horse is still drawn out, unfortunately. I would have preferred it at Randwick and it hasn't gone up in trip. So let's just see how we go. The good thing is it keeps Tyler Schiller and it had a sound trial there at Warwick Farm on the 12th of September to keep it up to speed. So I think if you're looking at it purely from a betting perspective at Rose Hill, for me, I'll probably have a small stake 
on uh, militarized each way, but it won't be any sort of launch bets. And um, that'll probably be it at the present moment. Now, like I said, if anyone wants to find out what unit staking I use or how I'm approaching a day, just send Connor, the guys, on um, a message on social media and we'll be more than happy to forward those on. So now we move on to Caulfield. So Caulfield, to me, I like the outside of the Golden Rose at Rose Hill. I really like this Caulfield race, and I think there's a lot of really good horses running around. So the rail's out six metres now. I know in the past I've been very, very... Um, crucial uh, not crucial critical of of the Caulfield track but I think with the renovations I think it's racing really nicely and I had a couple of winners there a couple of weeks ago so it's back in my good books now the weather is meant to be fine the track's meant to be in the good range which is fantastic now as we said before the feature race is the Underwood Stakes and then you've got a couple of good support races um, in that card there as well so you've got the Caulfield Guineas Prelude which is obviously one of the main lead ups and a couple of really really good um, three year olds there in that race and then we've got the Foundation Cup <coughs> so a couple of races we want to touch on so we're going to touch on race two I'll briefly touch on race three, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. So the first thing I want to touch on is race two. So there's a horse in this race who I've got a really nice opinion of. I'm a big fan of it in called First Immortal. So First Immortal, uh, the horse resumed uh, at the Valley a couple of weeks ago. Now, it was really, really good behind Ain't No Deal Done. Now, when we look at that, Ain't No Deal Done has Karini um, amenable um and devoted form so there's your form lines there this horse had the option to go to um one of the group rail sorry listed races here on this card and they've opted here now you'll probably see 63 kilos there and go oh that's a bit of a caution um about it but if you go back and look at some of the horses in the field there the horse actually isn't conceding a lot of weight to horses like she's fit full of uh, sincerity um, Wine O'Clock, Carlisle, and even Iris Flame. So all those main danger horses are car carrying a similar sort of weight. You've got Hugh Bowman there booked, which is fantastic. He's riding like an absolute demon over there in Hong Kong at the moment. I think he rode the first three winners there at Happy Valley last night. <coughs> so I think the horse just is going to jump from barrier one. It's got a wonderful record at the distance. It's had six starts for four wins and a second. Um, and I think it just wins this race. Race three is similar. I think Red Card will just in this race. Yes, we've got a, a girlfriend of ours in Bellet Reese, but the way that Red Card went to that line last start was just enormous, and it's two from two second up. Loves the trip. Uh, got Blake Shin on board, drawn really nicely, and like we spoke about, the horse um, was just uh, in that trial behind Overpass. We saw what Overpass did in the Group 2 shorts last weekend, so I think the horse just wins. Uh, moving on to race five there. So I think there's another really good horse in this race, and this is called Miracle of Love. So this horse has been in my black book for a while now, actually since last prep. So I really like the run that it had in the group one JJ Atkins behind King Colorado, who's in that group one race there at Rose Hill. Now, the horse was absolutely rocketing through the line, 
really nice and went down by a length to King Colorado, but it did beat some good horses, particularly Tannhauser, Snapback, Congregation, Make a Call, and a few others down there. So I think the horses trialed up really nicely. I really like the trial it had there at Scone there over the 1,100 metres on the 6th of September. And I think from Barrier 5, Mark Zara can have, I'm um, sorry, Blake Shin can have the horse really nifty. And I think the horse is just going to be too good for these horses. Now, Effect is coming off a maiden win, albeit it was all right, didn't blow the figures away. Zuccaret, I know Ma Eustace have a good opinion of it, but I don't think it's as good as Miracle of Love. Dasonic Boom has a horrific SP profile, but did finish um, just behind Charm Stone in that Atlantic Jewel. <coughs> so I think there's a lot of different form lines, but I think Miracle of Love will stamp her, her Oaks credentials after this run, and I think she just wins this race. So then moving on to race six. Now we've got another horse that I think is just going to win this race. You can put a bit of a saver on here to shock if you need to. But amenable. The form line's coming out of that Caulfield race that we spoke about with devoted Carini, um, Dubai Poet, and Ain't No Deal Done. It's just too good to pass up. So the horse clocked um, was great in that run. Obviously, there's multiple Saturday Metro winning horses coming out of it. It then went to the Memsey. Albeit, it did start $31, but clocked some of the elite sectionals coming home behind Mr. Brightside, who has since won a group once um, at Michael Abediva Stakes last weekend. So the form lines around this horse are just too good to pass up. I think it just wins this race. and But I think just wait, because I think you might get a bit of a drift um, come the race day, and you might get around the 220, 230 mark. Now, I think there's only one danger, and that's here to shock. I think it'll lead this race quite easily. It'd just be a matter of, of whether Bandersnatch and Buffalo River are pests or not. But I think all things being equal, I think Amenable is the best horse in the race. <coughs> All right, so now we're on to race seven, which is the Caulfield Guineas prelude over the 1,400 metres. So obviously we know the Caulfield Guineas is a, is a mile race, but as you can see, there's quite a lot of good horses getting around in this race. Um, I think there's only four winning chances, and it's just a matter of whether you trust, trust the McKenzie form or you trust the McNeil form. So if you're going down the route of trusting the McKenzie form, then one would suggest you'd be backing Steppity and maybe putting a bit of a saver on Centrify. Both those horses were enormous first up, putting up really, really good figures. The step up in trip for both of them doesn't seem to worry either of them, with Steppity actually winning at the trip before and Centrify giving every indication with that fast finishing run last start that it'll appreciate the step up in trip. Then you're looking on the other side, you go to the McNeil form. You had V8, who was enormous in that run, over an unsuitable trip. Did beat Legacies quite comfortably by a length, but what we've got to look at is Legacies didn't really come out and perform last weekend at Flemington after starting, I think, $1.90. Now, the horse in that run there behind in the McNeil that I think everyone saw was Sheelight. Um, I think it's the horse at odds that you could probably have a little bit of a bet on. I think it's going to probably be suited more up towards the mile there, but I think definitely it's a chance here. So <coughs> it's just one of those things where do you trust the Mooney Valley form or do you trust the Caulfield form? Personally, I would just be putting them, those four in the quaddie if you are playing quaddies, and I don't think the others will beat it. All right, now race eight. Now I said, obviously, but 
Uh, we're not doing quaddies, but this race is so hard, and I know that Con will be really off me if I don't discuss it, at least. Now, this is the, the Foundation Cup, so this is a Group 3 there, so you find a lot of horses use this race as a bit of a stepping back platform up onto into the Caulfield Cup. So you can see that there's quite a few good horses getting around there now. Floating Artist was really, really good in uh, BM100 last start, carrying the big weight, beating Deep Strike quite easily. Flash Flood and a few others. Now Flash Flood has obviously come out and run second or third, I think it was, to Solcombe, which was that flashing item. We'll touch on that in next race. Uh, Berkeley Square, how it's $5 is beyond me. The horse is overrated. Um, Goldman was really good in that fee in first up. The barrier is a bit of a concern for it. Um, Alaskan God was another one who was really good in that fan, but again had an $81 SP. I think now that you can asking about $7.50, you'd be a bit off it. Um, Future History had its chance there last start behind Young Werther, but does get Carleen Heffel. Wide barrier, another concern. Uh, Virtual Circles at big odds. He's finally getting to a trip that he appreciates, which is. <coughs> Excuse me, 2,000 metres or beyond. And then you've got Emissary, who was the run second in the Melbourne Cup last year. So I think it's heading in the right direction as well. So it'll be a sit and watch for me, but quality numbers will be 2, 3, 5, 9, 14, and 17 in this race. All right, so now we go to the feature race on the card, and I think there is an absolute living and breathing in this race, uh, but we'll get to that. So let's touch on the speed map first because there's a lot of good horses in this race and I know there'll be a lot of angles coming from, from different people here. So I have Lindemann kicking up from barrier three. Um, I have Alligator Blood rolling in from barrier eight and then I have Tuvalu sitting handy. So it'll be interesting to see what Damien Oliver does there because I thought he rode um, Alligator Blood quite poorly last start and because he kind of did like that kind of sit and sprint which he alligator blood does not have that turn of foot that a mr brightside would have so yeah it was an interesting run i would have preferred timmy clark on board um but yeah he was he was sound i'll just say that now that brings me to tuvalu who was really good in that run there, uh, third, I think, behind uh, Pinstriped in that fan uh, with Attrition just behind it. I think Attrition was the better run of the two. It's just that Attrition has to deal with barrier 15. Uh, you've then got Lindemann, like I said, all right, and that Chelmsford hasn't really set the world on fire. Was beaten quite easily by Navarro Peak. Um, who, in my opinion, would probably be around the 20 to 1 mark here. So the fact that we're getting 750 about him is a bit of a joke. Um, Sulcum was enormous first up, as <coughs> as would have been um, seen everywhere. Clocked some elite sectionals, some of which were the best of the day. But what did he beat? He beat Flash Flood, who we touched on earlier. He beat Jimmy the Bear, the Summit, Regal Power, Junipel, Sir Lucan. So when I'm looking at that, he didn't beat much, so he was probably flattered by that. And does he have that risk of having second up syndrome? Now, you go back and look at his, his figures. He's had five starts, uh, first up for two wins. Second up, he's never won. So that's an interesting thing for me. And I think at the prices, it's a good one to find out. And you could probably put a saver on him, but I don't think he's a chance now like i said alligator blood was good last start but i will be laying him in this race i don't think he will win it 
And I think that is because of the jockey booking, not suited, and I think the way this race shape sets up. Which brings me to the horse that I think is a living and breathing, and that is without a fight. I think this is the best bet on the Caulfield card. I think he's going to piss this race in. He's going to go to Caulfield Cup favoritism, and I think he will be in that race up into his eyeballs. Now, you go back and look at this horse's runs. Now, forget that it went round in the Melbourne Spring last year. Um, there was that soft seven over the 3,200 metres in the in the Melbourne Cup. It just was not suited on that heavy deck. It did have William Buick in the saddle as well, who has, although he's an elite world-class jockey, does not have a great run here in Australia. You go back and look at the, the horse's form. Now, this horse came within point to a length of Hookham. Now, Hookham is one of the white, is in the top 10 best horses in the world and is second favourite for the Arc de Triomphe, which is the best race in the world. Um, I just think this horse finally showed his age, uh, finally showed his ability last start, um, sorry, in the winter here, where he won the Group Three Lord Mayor's Cup in absolutely electric fashion, not beating much, but absolutely putting them to the sword. He then went to that um, Q22. He absolutely blitzed and beating Dwayas, nonconformist, and a lot of decent horses. Hoido is another one who's won that race before. <coughs> This horse brings a lot of Zaki vibes to me when he first came on the scene. He had that um, that flashing light run or that big win up here in Queensland, and he's just leapfrogged in here into the spring. I just think the 550 that you can get about this horse is an absolute gift. And like I said, I think he's going to go on and win the Caulfield Cup, and I think he's going to be, if they keep him in the Melbourne Cup, he might be a live chance if they think he'll get the trip. Um, Quaddy numbers just stand number eight out. Number ten, if you're standing number eight out, I would just be. I, I can't give you anything with race ten. I haven't even done the field, but it's a tough field. Um, yeah, good luck with that one. Maybe check um, sportsbetracing.com and um, just horse racing to see what numbers they they put up. Now, I'm going to touch on a bit at Toowoomba as well because it is a decent race up there. So the first one is in race three. Now, we've got a black booker in this race in Tam Miss Tambo. So <coughs> I haven't had time, to, unfortunately, to listen to Tony Gollan's uh, vodcast. But if anyone does and you hear him make a push for Miss Tambo, jump on board. The horse um, is drawn really nicely in gate one to sit a lot handier. Keeps Kyle Wilson-Taylor, lightweight. Um, but yeah, just keep an eye and listen listen to that vodcast on Tony Gowan's website. Now we do have an opinion of Outlawed. Um, thought the horse had its chance last start there. It was just beaten by a better one. We did actually make it a bet as well. Uh, and then you got Wanda Rocks, who's undefeated there, but it is a big step up in grade and does get unfortunately the um, apprentice on board. So gun to my head, I'd probably back Miss Tambo if there is a push from Golan because five fifty is a good price to find out. Uh, we then go to race seven there, which is the Toowoomba Cup. Now, the Toowoomba is a really interesting track. It's kind of a bit uphill. So you want to have horses who are hard fit and ones who are really strong to the line. Now, that brings me to... <coughs> Sorry. My apologies, guys. That brings me to Nick Spur. 
So if we go back and look at the runs of Nick Asper, um, he's got a 2,200-meter run under his belt, which he absolutely killed over a BM90 there at Doombin, being not a great deal, but he's got that hardened run under his belt. He's got the lightweight on. He's drawn really nicely to probably sit just off the speed or even lead this field, and then he's got Ben Thompson there. Um, I think 420 is a wonderful price for that. I thought Namazu was playing up there at... Um, up there in the Cairns Cup, I think it was. Uh, hell of a deal is certainly a horse that I think can run really well. Um, problem is it's never won at the distance, and it's never won at the track either, despite being trained by Mark Curry. So that just leaves with Nick Asper. I think he's a great bet. And then finally, in the eighth race, which is one of the features, uh, Yellow Brick returns which is fantastic. Now, go and look through this field. How many of them do you reckon could match it with the best of them in a Golden Eagle? You would say none. Golden Brick holds a nomination for the Golden Eagle, and I know Tony and Matty Sears are very, very keen on taking him down south. I think he just wins this race. He won the King of the Mountain over this track and trip last prep. Um, he loves the distance. Uh, he's a great horse, and I think he just wins it. So that brings us to the Friday tip. So I've only got one here, and funnily enough, it comes up in race three there at Scone. So now we touched on Miracle of Love last start. So the Hungarian uh, trialed actually behind or, or, yeah, well, just behind Miracle of Love over the 1,100 metres there. Now, I get the horse has never won first up before. I, I understand that. Um, but it's got a good track and trip record. And don't be put off by that 61.5 kilos. So the Hungarian is actually, he's a huge boy. So don't stress. I think he'll carry the weight really nicely. I think the only danger you could probably look at is probably Hearn Hill. So if you want to, have back the Hungarian for a decent stake and put a saver on Hearn Hill. All right, guys. Well, good luck punting over the weekend. Apologies for just me and no banter or any fun stuff, but hopefully it's a winning weekend for us. And remember, without a fight, best bet for the weekend. It'll probably be a five-unit play. Anyways, good luck. Talk soon.